Welcome to episode 10 of In Your Element, a gaming podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Adler. Today, our guest joins us from across the pond, Matt Jeffrey. Matt, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. Thanks, man. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. I'm glad you're able to uh, to join up on the server and everything. We worked through our technical difficulties, but we made it happen. Yeah, it was a bit of a nightmare. I, I don't know if it's like a like a because I'm like a few thousand miles away or what, but yeah, it was I don't know, man. Yeah, when when things work, they work well. When they don't, it's just yeah, like you said, it's a nightmare. Uh, what games have you been playing lately? I'm kind of um, I'm kind of in a bit of a a bit of a change uh, with my gaming library at the moment. Uh, so I'm kind of just dipping back into old franchises. Uh, I'm playing AC4 uh, Black Flag at the moment. Um, nice. Absolutely loving that game. Uh, I haven't played it in so long, mm-hmm. uh, but it's uh, it's great to get back into it for sure. What about yourself? Uh, I have been jumping back into uh, Guacamelee. So that's a game that I have started many times on many different platforms and uh, finally decided to jump back in since I saw it came out on Switch. And i uh, finally going to try and finish it this time because I do want to play Guacamelee 2 when that comes out um, on Switch later this year. Yeah, I never got into the Guacamelee thing. Um, I kind of, I don't know, I don't know if it just went under my radar or... Or if I just completely, you know, skipped it or or what? So what's like what's like the heads up on that game? Yeah, so it's uh it's a 2D side scrolling Metroidvania kind of game. Um so you're you're gonna do your exploration and then um you get different abilities similar to Metroid where you kind of are able to traverse differently and then you kind of are able to explore certain areas that you weren't able to. You can go back to areas that you had passed by and weren't able to get to before. Um, and then it's, it's kind of like a, a Mexican, like, uh, luchador theme. So you're, you've got, oh, this that really... sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And the, the developers there, uh, at Drinkbox studios, they do a really great job of just the world building and the characters and the writing is really funny as well. There's a lot yeah, of I... cool, like gaming references and stuff. I feel like games like that are just making an absolute comeback, you know, like big, like, storytelling uh like artistic style kind of indie kind of metroidvania kind of style games i feel like 2017 2018 like that they're really making a comeback and it's good to see for sure yeah absolutely yeah um all right well let's hop into the show before we begin i'd like to let um everybody know where you can find in your element online uh, my website is in your element podcast.com you can find me on instagram at in your element podcast and over on Twitter at IYE Podcast. And visit patreon.com slash in your element to support at any level. You'll receive bonus episodes early, gain exclusive access to the In Your Element Discord server, be eligible for giveaways, attend patron hangouts, and more. And if you have any questions for the show, email me at hello at in your element podcast.com. I'll answer your questions on the next episode of In Your Element. Uh, let's jump over to the news. So uh, the first thing is uh, actually breaking news that just broke this morning a couple hours ago. Looks like Sony is finally going to be allowing players to change their PSN names. Thank goodness. We just went over that last week, and it looks like it has become a reality. Uh, Over on the PlayStation blog, it looks like they're going to start the beta testing for that right now with the next um, Sony PlayStation 4 beta software. So you can sign up for that if you're interested, and they're going to start rolling that out to users there. 
I uh, tried to get on earlier this morning and it looks like the website is down. So I imagine there's probably a lot of people trying to get in there and join the beta. Uh, and it sounds like they're going to be rolling that feature out to everybody early 2019. So exciting Finally. stuff. Finally. I'm so ready. I'm, I'm, I'm over the name I've had for what? 10 plus years, 15 years now at this point, I'm, I'm just ready to move past that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Ever since it was actually a thing to actually have your own PSN name, I always wanted the ability to just change it. And right. it's, like this, it's like the simplest thing. And oh my God, what, why couldn't Sony just sort it out at an earlier date? But I'm, I'm glad we have it now, for sure. I'm glad, yeah, I'm glad we have it at the very least. It sounds like it's going to be um, free for the first name change, just like on Xbox. And then you'll pay after that if you want to change it further. And it yeah. looks like the, the pricing is going to be nine ninety nine. If you don't have PlayStation Plus and $7.99 if you do. So it looks like it'll be pretty much in line with Microsoft's pricing um, there, which is awesome. So that is uh, the first piece of news. The second piece of news then is uh, Marvel's Spider-Man for PlayStation 4 has earned the title of Player's Choice for the month of September. This news comes from the official PlayStation blog. The runner-ups included Shadow of the Tomb Raider, FIFA 19, and Destiny 2 Forsaken. And I'll be honest, as a longtime PlayStation fan and player, I didn't even know this award existed. Um, <laughs> but it is really insightful, and it seems that they have quarterly editor's choice picks as well. Uh, they rounded up the best games from the past three months that have been handpicked from editors at the PlayStation blog and the PlayStation store. And I want to take a moment to read off a few of these picks along with a short blurb by the editor. So the first pick that they have up is Dead Cells. And this is a game I spoke about last week at length and highly, highly, highly recommend you pick up and play on whatever platform you can. Uh, Sid Schumann, editor at the PlayStation blog, says motion twins action platformer weaves an addictive web that will quickly entangle you. Buttery, smooth, smooth controls, crunchy combat and bountiful secrets make Dead Cells one of 2018's best games, period. But take caution. This game will haunt your dreams. The second game up is Donut County. This game is developed by Ben Esposito that started out as a joke project and quickly evolved into a well-received indie title. It's very similar to the Katamari Damacy games in terms of gameplay, but you're instead controlling a hole in the ground and growing larger as you swallow up Los Angeles. Kristen Titus from over at the PlayStation blog says, If you told me one of my favorite games this year would involve playing a quippy raccoon, controlling an ever-growing hole in the ground, I wouldn't believe you. Donut County hits all the right buttons with eye-catching graphics, therapeutically fun gameplay, and unforgettable soundtrack. The third game on the list is the recently released expansion for Destiny 2, Forsaken. This has been getting raving reviews, and although it seems to have quieted down as we get closer to the big releases of the end of this year, there's still a bustling community for the game. Justin Mason Gill from the PlayStation blog says, Destiny 2, Forsaken shoots for the stars and just nails it. Introducing an addictive new PvE VP mode alongside a gripping story of vengeance, Forsaken is a treat for dedicated fans and lapsed players alike. Just wait until you see the Dreaming City. This is Bungie at their best. The fourth game listed is Hollow Knight Voidheart Edition. This game recently got its release on PS4 and packaged with all of the DLC for the game. I gave my impressions of this wonderful game in an earlier episode of In Your Element, but the more the time passes, the more I yearn to go back. The exploration and combat were top-notch, and if you haven't played this game yet, you owe it to yourself to pick it up. I've got another quote from Justin Massengill of the PlayStation blog, where he says, Hollow Knight walks a thin line, simultaneously gorgeous and grotesque. It rewards exploration of its vast world, but punishes those who do not tread carefully. 
starring an adorable little insect who will not hesitate to mess you up. This one's special and a definite must-play. Uh, the fifth and sixth games brought up are notable as well, but are much bigger titles. They are Spider-Man and Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Obviously, we did an episode a couple weeks ago giving full impressions of Spider-Man, so if you're interested, I'd recommend heading back and checking that episode out. And last week, I mentioned that I just played through and finished Shadow of the Tomb Raider. And while I enjoyed the campaign, it was not very memorable and something that I would recommend as just a rental. And the final game listed is one I have not heard about, but I'm intrigued by based on the description. The title is The Persistence, and it's a PSVR title, so you'll need a PSVR in order to play this one. Uh, Sid Schumann from the PlayStation blog describes it as a survival horror shooter mashup of Bioshock, Dead Space, and Dark Souls. The persistence ups the ante with an outstanding VR interface, impressive procedural level design, and an arsenal of deadly experimental weapons. Highly polished, endlessly replayable, and scary as hell. So a lot of cool games up there. Um, Matt, what are your thoughts on these picks? Have you played any of these? I think, um, first off, I'm like a, I'm a huge Tomb Raider fan. Okay. Uh, the, like the first one uh, of the reboot. Yeah. I, um, I absolutely... Yeah, you know, I destroyed that game. I spent hours and hours and hours on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I picked up and played Rise, uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. I got about halfway through it, and there was just something about the story which I wasn't enjoying. Um, yeah. In comparison to the to the original. Yeah. Um, and I haven't picked up Shadow yet, so I'm I'm I, w- I want to jump in for sure. It looks yeah. really cool. The yeah. marketing the marketing was really awesome for it. I thought. I agree. Um, the AAA title, so Spider-Man. I haven't jumped into that yet. I'm buying it off a friend. Oh, soon, nice! So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into that. Um, and I'm heavy I'm heavy on like collectibles and things like that. So and it seems like the New York that they've they've built for the game is is very impressive. So it is. It's um, very. It's it's almost a one to one scale, which is amazing for Manhattan. It's just. And then wow. if you like the collectibles, it's a it's a very very rewarding experience. The collectibles don't seem. Uh, like they're there just to collect there's story behind a lot of them too so it it doesn't feel like a big time waste it's a fantastic fantastic. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i'm i've got so much nostalgia with um uh, spider-man 2 on the Mm -hmm. ps2 yeah um i think everyone does i I, I feel like any kind of superhero spider-man fan uh who also enjoys video games definitely played spider-man 2 at some point oh yeah um yeah, that game was killer. Um, mm-hmm. Destiny Two. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of what Bungie did with Destiny, but mm-hmm. I just feel like I don't know. I, I feel like it wasn't executed as a franchise. I mean, it wasn't executed to the to the best of their ability. I don't think. Right, but I agree. In terms of everything, um, in terms of marketing, kind of how they kind of pitched the idea. Mm-hmm. um and how and, and the rollout as well of the game but yeah. i mean yeah. i mean it can only build i i guess kind of the the, DL, the dlcs for destiny one and destiny two have actually proven to be better than the base game that they right. originally that they originally launched right like taken king was incredible mm-hmm. and now it appears that forsaken is doing just the same thing for destiny two so yep mm-hmm. yeah i mean it just proves that there's a lot of you know, life in these games way after release. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm at some point I'd like to hop back into destiny because, uh, I've got some friends that are playing forsaken and they're all saying, Hey, this is definitely the taken King of destiny Two. 
but even better than the taking king was so oh, it sounds fantastic. like yeah everyone's kind of collectively saying this is bungie at their best this is destiny at its best uh so i i at some point would like to go and check that out yeah for sure um yeah i mean the game is still selling like super cheap in this mm -hmm. country so if you need to pick up like a pre-owned copy or something like that it's it's still dirt cheap so it's, it's, oh, definitely, nice. it's definitely like a it's definitely a, a very accessible game for sure absolutely cool well the second news story today sounds uh surrounds pokemon go early yesterday the pokemon company teased the arrival of the gen 4 pokemon in the official pokemon website there is a short video showing silhouettes and small hints at some uh, some of the Sinnoh region monsters with no official release date for when to expect them Alongside the announcement of new Pokemon to catch, there are also some significant balance changes coming to the game. I'm going to read the information from the original, uh, excuse me, from the official Pokemon website. So uh, the first portion is changes to Pokemon migration and behavior. As you explore the world of Pokemon Go, the following changes will affect the Pokemon that appear around you. Moving forward, the weather feature will have a reduced effect on the rate at which Pokemon appear. As you explore a given area, you will notice that a greater variety of Pokemon species will appear over time and at different rates. And certain areas, such as parks and nature reserves, will now contain more varied Pokemon species. And changes to the Pokemon effectiveness in battle. The in-game battle mechanics are being rebalanced. You may notice some of the following changes in the coming weeks. CP values will be adjusted going forward to improve game balance. HP values will be adjusted to close the gap between Pokemon with high and low HP. Pokemon defense and stamina values will be rebalanced, allowing Pokemon with a high defensive stat to be valuable by outlasting opponents in battle, rather than these Pokemon merely taking too long to defeat. And defense values have also been slightly reduced for most Pokemon. Changes like these will help narrow the gap between Pokemon with the highest defensive stats and other Pokemon. Look for all of these changes and additions coming soon, and expect further tweaks in the future designed to help trainers and their Pokemon reach their full potential. Uh, Matt, does any of this interest you? Are you a Pokemon Go player? I'm kind of like um, I'm on the fence. I'll be honest when <laughs> yeah. when it comes to when it comes to mobile gaming. Like I don't know if it kind of like I don't know if it's like the true essence of gaming. If you, if that if you know what I mean, like right. it's not like a, it's not like a console based game or anything like that. So sure. yeah, I kind of. I, I dabble. I dabble in it. I, I remember like a couple of years ago when the game came out. I i i jumped on the wagon for sure yeah uh, oh yeah and i was i think everyone like, did <laughs> yeah exactly i mean i i literally only live like i don't know like 15 20 miles out out of london and there was mm -hmm. like really there was some really big like meetups and uh, you know going on in the center of london and there was oh, literally cool. thousands thousands of people meeting up in these fields so i was kind of on that hype train for like a few months oh but then it yeah it, that's awesome but then as soon as i got back to like the suburb area of where i live like the the interest just kind of died down so eventually mm -hmm. eventually the interest wasn't really there anymore so i mean i love what they did um and and what they what they're continuing to do with the franchise but uh I'm more interested mm -hmm. in like a. I'm more interested in like a big AAA title they're going to release on the Switch or something like that. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, instead of instead of uh, pushing the uh, the mobile game. Right. Yeah. And I I'm definitely a lapsed player myself. I I was playing you know when the game launched a couple years ago when that big hype was happening across the entire world. I was definitely a part of that. And then uh, I took about a year off of the game, and then I jumped back in with the uh, Pokemon Let's Go announcements earlier this year 
um, when they said it was going to tie in with the Pokemon Go games, I was like, oh, I might as well jump back in and see what's changed. And they've done so much to the game. If you haven't been in there um, at all recently, they've added um, a lot more accessible features for folks that don't live close to cities, which is nice. So being out in the suburb areas, you can still participate in a lot of the big things that are happening in the game and still have the opportunity to catch a lot of these rare Pokemon. Uh, they give you different tasks to do each day and give you challenges and things. So there there feels like there's more of a game to it now instead of just this really bare bones structure of a mobile game that was, uh, you know, just threw the Pokemon name on top of it pretty much. It feels Literally. like Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It felt basically just like a, a collection game. Yeah, and honestly, like you said, bare bones, like there wasn't really much structure or kind of story based elements mm -hmm. to it. Um, yeah. So I mean, it is a good idea. But um, man, all I want is just a, a sequel to Pokemon Stadium. That's all oh, I want. Man. I think that's everyone all I want. does. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I want. Man. <laughs> oh yeah for sure for sure uh, and then just a reminder for folks that are still playing the game um october 21st from 11 to 2 is the october community day that's going to feature beldum and that also includes a one-fourth egg hatch distance three hour lures and an exclusive move that is yet to be announced so stay tuned for that and the last bit of news is a small one that got announced yesterday and that's the uh, stardew valley is coming to ios later this month on october 24th it will be $7.99 for the full game with no in-app purchases. And it has been optimized for touch controls and will include all content released for the game with the exception of multiplayer. The devs say console multiplayer is still being worked on and this port to mobile was handled by a different team to ensure that they're still on schedule for the multiplayer release on consoles. Another interesting piece of news is that PC players can transfer their saves through iTunes so you can carry your existing save over to your uh, iPhone or iPad and continue there. Uh, Matt, did you ever get into Stardew Valley? Uh, I did, yeah. A guy I used to work with, he had it, um, he had it on his Switch. Nice, yeah. And uh, we, we would just spend countless like lunch breaks just going through it and kind of having a play around with it. I'm, I'm real big on like, uh, kind of like life simulators, you know, like mm -hmm. farming and farming and you know all these different kind of like theme games and things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I was I was heavy on uh, Stardew Valley for sure. Um, I would I would kind of like to jump back into it. I didn't get it on the home console or anything like that, and I really want to switch. So I'm mm -hmm. kind of torn. I'm kind of torn. What about yourself? So I had it on PC when it first came out, and I played it there um, for a little bit. I don't play my PC that often, so it was more just I, I kind of wanted to jump in with the hype when it launched, and then. Stopped playing for a bit, and uh, once the Switch came out, I was like, man, this game would be perfect here. I hope it comes to Switch, and then, of course, it, it eventually did, so I jumped back into it on Switch. Um, I put in about 20 hours or so, I want to say, and then uh, it was one of those things where I stopped playing for something else, and then anytime I go back to it, I don't remember what I was doing, so I'm like, <laughs> it, it throws, yeah, because sure. yeah, the game's great, but you get into these little, like, micromanaging the whole day thing and you're like okay today i'm gonna do this 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 tomorrow i'm gonna do this 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 and then uh you have like the whole you know next couple days planned out at least that's how i was doing it because you kind of want to maximize your time each day in the game uh so now when i go back i'm like what was i doing i don't even know exactly. what exactly where to start so it's it's kind of intimidating for me to jump back in so um you know, having it on mobile is nice because you you literally have your phone with you at all times. So this this game lends very well to just jumping in, playing for a little bit, and then leaving. 
um, if you're consistent with it, I think that that would be, um, you know, a, a kind of a nice thing to, to have on your phone. But what do you think? Do you think that this is a good move for them moving to mobile? Or do you think that this is just another cash in? Uh, I, I think it's a bit of both, if I'm honest. I, I mean, it is, I do feel like it is genuinely a good idea because like you said, yeah. having your phone on you all the time, you can, you know, you can constantly hop in, hop out, um, deal with things as you, as you please. Uh, whereas obviously if it's just on console, you only get that select amount of time a day that you, you know, you, you can really go into the game. Um, mm -hmm. that's why I think it worked really well on the switch. Yeah. I feel like it, it just, it just felt like so fluid on the switch, you know, like mm -hmm. all of the, all of the menus, just everything about it was just so great. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas obviously on the console, you feel like, like you said, you need to micromanage everything and it's just not the best thing in the world. Yeah. Um, I felt like I needed to go to the shop and buy a journal just to keep on top of what was going on with that game. It was ridiculous. Right. But, um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think going on mobile definitely is, is, is a good idea. Uh, yeah. it, keeps, it keeps people kind of more in tune with what's going on, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's, it's definitely not any, anything new for a lot of, you know, these big indie titles to come to mobile. Uh, I, I used to be really big on mobile games and then kind of fell off uh, more so when the switch came, to be honest, just because that kind of filled the void for me for that, um, for the mobile gaming aspect, if you will. But uh, I'm seeing a lot more like AAA indie titles that are making their way over to the uh, the iOS shop, uh, the app store. Um, so besides Stardew Valley, I saw, you know, um, for for years, Fez has been over there. Um, I know that uh, I saw Tesla grad was coming there uh, shortly. And then um, amongst others, um, FTL from um, Subset nice. Games. So, I mean, they've, there's a lot of good indie games that are on that platform. And I just, I don't consider it a, a viable platform, I guess, for gaming. Like you said earlier, uh, it doesn't really embody the, like the, the nature of gaming. I think for a lot of us that grew up with consoles, it, it still feels kind of foreign to use your phone as a gaming device, but so many people do. So, um, I mean, it, it's I definitely a platform. I, I feel like for like every one or 2% of like great games you get for mobile, there is still like a solid amount of games that are absolutely trash, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> like they, like they're just like, I, I feel like the ratio of great to bad games is a lot less on a console. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, then you do on a mobile game. There's just so many games that are just being made for the sake of being made for mobile. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know who goes like who works on the quality control for mobile games but it appears to me that every single game that gets made just gets passed straight through and it's on the app store and it's mm -hmm. and they're all uh they're all you know one out of one out of fives two out of fives they're they're not really worth playing so i, um, I agree yeah yeah as as that as that scene has blown up over the past you know five years probably um it, it's just been flooded with just mostly shit games in all honesty and that's kind of when i stopped playing them is because you can't really keep up it's like steam where you look every day and there's you know they they release what i think seven thousand games last year just on steam which is an incredible number uh if you think about it but it's it's the same thing like are they testing any of these like are is everything getting approved i i know apple's got a stringent policy on like what can make it into the app store so i imagine there is some level of testing there, but 
I, I almost feel like they they go, okay, does it play? Can you can does it launch? Does the does the app stay open for more than a few seconds? Okay, cool. Here's the stamp of approval. Move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah, I feel <laughs> I feel like they're looking for kind of like more technical issues more than actual playability, you know? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, like like you said, does it open? Um will you know, will the consumer throw the phone out of the window after ten minutes of playing it? <laughs> if not, then let them play it you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure for awesome sure. well i'd like to shift our focus then to the feature discussion for the episode and that's around these inevitable new consoles that are on the horizon so matt we're hitting this point in these console life cycles where we're hearing about these rumblings of, of next generation hardware and this all began last week where a rumor broke stating that nintendo would be announcing some sort of a new switch hardware that's slated for uh, release in the back half of 2019 now, obviously, this is just rumor at this point, but what do you think this could be? I, I, I feel like it's just going to be a more kind of fluid design, I guess, of the Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, what Nintendo have done with the Switch is fantastic in terms of like shifting the culture um, of mm-hmm. gaming and, and things like that. But I do feel like in the short space that the Switch has been out, it, it's like the hardware itself uh, has kind of aged a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, even even in just a year, uh, yeah. So I mean, maybe just I, I think it would just be a just more sleek design of the Switch, if I'm honest. Um, yeah, like kind of a light yeah. version. Kind of a light version, maybe like a slightly uh, thin of like bezel on the screen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe a slight update in performance, but it's going to be an iteration more than a. Yeah more than a next step i believe right and that's i i think we we all kind of assume that it's going to be some iterative move i i can't imagine we're going to see a true next gen console a year after launch like that that's not likely i'd say there's this less than 0.1 percent chance that that would happen but i could definitely see a switch light coming out um more so than a more powerful switch in all honesty this is traditionally nintendo in the past if you look back to like the 3DS line or, or the DS line even. Um, they they have the first console that launches and it's big, it's bulky, it's not very well designed. And then shortly after, a couple years later, they release a light version, which is generally the same performance, just a redesigned uh, body, a little bit thinner, maybe a better battery life, um, lighter weight. Maybe they add some new features, but in all honesty, I could I can't see them changing too much of the design because they have this vision for the Switch of this hybrid console play at home, play on the go. I can't imagine they're going to ditch any of that aspect of it. Um, if anything, I could see them fixing some of the the things that have come to light recently. I know a lot of people are, are experiencing um, the battery swelling and cracking part of the, the casing. Um, some issues with the, the left Joy-Con kind of sliding off without you pressing the button to eject it. Uh, so I think they, they might just rev- revise the actual design of the switch. Um, in that aspect kind of fix a lot of those issues but i don't know if we're going to see uh anything necessarily more powerful i think it's going to be more of a switch light so just something thinner and lighter um same yeah, games sure. i don't think there's going to be any big changes i know there's been some rumors of a uh maybe a, a, an upgrade on the processor so when the switch came out they have the tegra x1 chip in there and uh right when they launched the tegra x2 came out i believe or was out right before that um, and that's about a 50% faster chip. So they might go and put that in, but I can't, I can't imagine they're going to start to segment the audience already that has a switch and say, Hey, if you have the new switch, you can play these games. 
Um, but if you've got the old one, sorry, I, I don't I don't see new Nintendo <laughs> doing that. I mean, they're they're making such well, I'd say for the most part, they're making such good moves um, with the exception of like a, a an absent virtual console. But um, they're making relatively good moves on the consumer part. So I, I don't think they would segment their th- audience this early. I think if they um, if they kind of make the same move as Microsoft did uh, when they launched the project scorpio the xbox mm-hmm. one x yeah and they were just like look we got some new hardware coming but we're not gonna you know we're not gonna leave you out in the cold you can still play the same games on the new system mm-hmm. if, if, if kind of if nintendo go down that route i think they'll be doing just fine i think um i think obviously with if this new switch light does you know come to pass they'll probably like um hype up a game you know in the marketing for it Sure, and yeah. kind of like maybe like bundle a new game in with it um i'm sure i'm sure they can still you know kill it on sales i mean the system's been doing just fine anyway so i think that i think you know this new switch light um mm-hmm. or whatever it's going to be called will be will be you know true to form and it will just be just as good if not if not better for the for the system ecosystem overall yeah, I I think that's fair to say. I'm I'm a little worried that this news came out before the holidays though because they have, you know, three Switch bundles this holiday. They've got the Fortnite one that just launched. They've got the um the Pokemon Let's Go bundle uh next month and then in December they've got the Smash bundle. And if you are somebody who's conscious about buying technology, which I think a lot of people are these days with phones and everything that's being updated so frequently, it's kind of a uh it's kind of unfortunate that this news leaked early because that's going to potentially influence some of the buyers this year to wait until next year which is just so bad in my opinion for for nintendo Uh, it Um, is yeah yeah because i feel like i feel like as soon as you're releasing news you need to get the product out there you know you can't Mm -hmm. you can't just you can't just wait around because it's so it's so heavy these days on just you know now happening now like if you can tell Mm -hmm. them now get it out asap um, right because interest you know on the internet it just it dies very quickly so oh, um, absolutely yeah i, I think you're 100 percent right with that point mm-hmm. now uh the last thing that i wanted to talk about with this specifically is um there's been some rumors that there might be a uh, mobile only version so one that doesn't have a dock which i think would be uh an interesting move and i can't really imagine that happening but as it stands now Nintendo has the Switch and they have the 3DS line, which is still alive and well. And um, the 2DS line as well, kind of included in that family. And they are still supporting that. They're still making games even into next year, which is surprising to me. Um, But the the whole draw of the 3DS is that it's inexpensive. And generally, you know, if you've got a family, everyone has their own 3DS, whereas a Switch is still kind of in this premium price point that uh, not everybody is going to be able to afford one for every member of the family. So there's been a rumor that maybe they're going to have a like a mobile only version. So something that will eventually overtake the 3DS, maybe be a little smaller, maybe be no detachable Joy-Con. So it doesn't have the ability to dock and play at home. It's just simply a mobile uh, mobile version of the Switch. What do you think of that? I kind of feel like I, I, I don't know where that would sit like in mm-hmm. their in their library of consoles like you said they've yeah. kind of made they've kind of made their bed with with the hybrid design they have with the switch yeah um and like like you also said you know they've they're, they're kind of you know still doing really well with the 3ds the 2ds mm-hmm. so i 
I don't know where that sits. Like, does it does it sit somewhere in between? I mean, are they kind of saturating it a bit too much with this new yeah. with this new design? I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, if if the idea is that it eventually replaces the 3DS, then I could I could see that. But in the interim, while there's still so many people playing that console, it, it is kind of a weird point to put it right in the middle of those two. Maybe at that 199 price point, now we're starting to get into the territory of being able to have multiple in the household instead of just one. But who knows? I mean, again, these are all still rumors, so it's kind of just speculation at this point. Um, we probably won't hear anything about this, I imagine, until E3 next year at the earliest. I can't imagine they're gonna they're gonna um, you know uh, slow their momentum down with with this kind of news right now. Yeah, for sure, hundred um, percent agree. I, I think E3 next year could be could be a very important conference for Nintendo. Period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they um, need they need to continue their their momentum that they have the last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, this brings us to earlier this week then where Microsoft officially announced Project X Cloud. So there's been some rumors for a while now that Microsoft was working on some sort of a game streaming service originally titled Project Scarlet, but this seems to be what those rumors were referring to. Uh, They seem to be introducing some really revolutionary changes never before seen in the gaming industry. They envision a future where you can play whatever you want on whatever device you have available to you at that moment. So if that's playing Halo Infinite on your big screen TV with your sound system for the best experience or playing the exact same game using an Xbox controller connected to your phone via Bluetooth, they want you to be in charge of that choice. Matt, what do you think of this new future that Microsoft has pitched us? I think um, ever since, uh, when was it? Twenty E3 2013 or 14 when PlayStation started talking about this this Gaikai service mm-hmm. which, which which eventually turned into PlayStation now yeah um, I kind of feel like everyone's jumping on it now and mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and the tide is starting to turn uh, where hardware is becoming less and less you know less and less important I guess mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think I think the time is now and I, I think Microsoft are jumping on it now uh, to kind of stem the bleeding that they've received yeah. over the last few years with the Xbox One, you know. So, mm-hmm. I, I think I think the times now, and I think it's a great I think it's a great thing. I mean, if they can if they can somehow prove to everyone that you know that the latency is of a good rate, um, and you know it's, the games aren't dropping out or anything like that, then I don't see why not. I, I do feel like it is is it's, it's time for it's time for streaming for sure. I mean, can you imagine yeah. like? like a Netflix version of gaming. Like how, how incredible is that? Oh yeah, that's the dream. I think, I mean, I think that's what everybody wants at some point. The The issue then becomes, can they pull it off? So um, Sony, obviously you mentioned they, they purchased Gaikai years ago and they evolved that service into PlayStation Now, which never really took off. Um, I, I tried it maybe a year ago just, just to see what it was. Um, they, there's a pretty good selection of games on there. There's PS3 games, there's PS2 games on there, there's PlayStation 4 games. So they've got a good library, I think, of like 300-ish games on there. So that is kind of the Netflix of gaming uh, as it stands now. But the issue is uh, the latency. So I've got great internet over here. Um, we're able to stream multiple you know, devices simultaneously uh, in different rooms gaming, streaming at the same time, you name it. So we've got good internet that can that can hold up. Um, that being said, uh, my girlfriend and I played like the uh, Lego, um, 
Indiana Jones or something, and it was from PlayStation 3, and there was like some input lag. And I was like, what's going on? This is not an intensive game by any means. Our internet's fine. Um, the, the frame rate kind of dipped a bit, and it wasn't on the game. You could tell it was the actual streaming service itself that was having some difficulty keeping up. So um, I, I, I was a little off-put by that. And uh, I didn't continue the membership. I just did the trial at the time. And then, you know, a couple weeks ago, Sony announced, hey, you can finally download these games and just play them locally, which is great. But that kind of that kind of is a, a bandaid, I feel like, for this service that they had envisioned originally of being able to just stream games. Right. You don't need to download them. The whole point is that you can play them from the cloud. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah, so Microsoft comes in with their service, um, and if if you guys aren't familiar with Microsoft um, cloud service, it's it's called Microsoft Azure, and it's uh, it's a state of the art enterprise level cloud computing platform. So it's not your PlayStation Now Gaikai technology. Uh, that's uh, it's uh, I think at the time Sony acquired Gaikai for like a couple two hundred three hundred million dollars. I think Azure, Microsoft Azure is valued at like $18 billion or something much more significant. So it's, <laughs> we're it's talking, not, we're talking stupid money there. Stupid yeah. Money. Yeah. So in terms of the tech that they have, I mean, there's many enterprise level businesses that run their entire cloud computing platform off of Microsoft Azure. So they, they're not, they're not just creating this, this platform for gaming. They're using existing technology that they've refined over the years and really made themselves a dominant player in the cloud computing industry they're saying hey we already have this technology we also have the gaming side of the company let's combine these two things and make this really incredible service so if anyone can pull it off in all honesty i think microsoft is in the position where they can pull it off and um, plus like you know you can you can bet your bottom dollar that they have been spending years prepping for this very announcement oh Do you know sure what I mean? You know yeah. what I mean? I, I kind of feel like PlayStation and Sony kind of rushed the streaming kind of aspect out a little bit. Yeah. Um, whereas Microsoft have probably been staying a little bit quiet, mm -hmm. uh, perfecting, you know, like perfecting the system. Um, oh, yeah. So I hope that when they when they eventually drop it, release it, give us a release date that, you know, it's a great service from from the jump. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. They It says uh, on the little blog post that Microsoft put out yesterday, they are already testing it internally um, they're going to have public trials early next year so i imagine if you have an xbox one you'll probably be able to participate in these you may not even need an xbox one based on what they're pitching um, i'm curious to see what the what the service looks like you know are you going to need to purchase the game's licenses to be able to play those on the go do you need an xbox to even play these games it's still kind of un uncertain in terms of the, the fine details but it sounds like they are kind of saying, hey, your Xbox is there for when you want to have this great experience at home, but it's not a necessary piece of this solution. You can really play, you know, Xbox games, even if you don't have an Xbox, uh, which was kind yeah, of interesting. Sky's the limit for sure, I think, with this idea. Mm -hmm. If they yeah. can pull it off, if they can pull it off, then uh, it could be a game changer. No yeah. pun intended. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, they've been they've been making some really consumer focused decisions recently with uh, with Game Pass. So I I have been on the fence for about a year um, of purchasing an Xbox one, even just an, a one S just to get an Xbox in the house just for Game Pass, because that service itself is so compelling. 
and they've had the ability to download those games, I believe, since day one. So they don't have as big of a library as PlayStation does. But what is compelling is that they have um, all of their first party titles day and date on Game Pass. So when a new game launches on on, uh, you know, for, for Microsoft, it's available the day it comes out for free, you know, if you will. Uh, as long as you're a subscriber to Game Pass, which is like 10 bucks a month. So, you know, for me, that's a great uh, business model of, of being able to play the stuff. I mean, you, you know, like $10 a month or, you know, like 10, like 10 pound here or whatever. It's 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 mm-hmm. nothing. If, if you think you have like Apple Music or like, yeah, Spot, it's like Spotify, you're spending like 10 pound or $10 for it a month. Um, right. Having the ability to like have these brand new AAA games like you know in in your fingertips uh on release date is is amazing like the 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 value for money there is is absolutely incredible um so i think sure yeah a great thing with game pass for sure yeah i I, it would get me to play a lot more of the games that i wouldn't necessarily play if i had an xbox so for instance earlier this year uh sea of thieves came out and that's a game that was a new property it was something that you know isn't an established ip and a lot of people were hesitant about purchasing that. But the fact that they made it available on Game Pass the same day it released, they had a huge launch. Uh, I think probably the majority of people that played that game at launch that weren't playing on a PC probably had it on Game Pass. And that would be something that I would be interested in jumping into if I had that service available. So I think it really is a, a really interesting move on Microsoft's part to allow their brand new big budget games effectively to be free i mean if you think about what you pay for a game 60 dollars or 60 pounds for uh for a game over there um that's six months of this service so even if you play the game and you you know maybe put a couple months of of gameplay in you've already gotten your money's worth uh because you have all the other games you can play on that service as well you're not limited to just that one so i think it's it's incredible and i'm curious to see what that what that means for the next generation of these consoles Microsoft is really positioning themselves as as the streaming first service um, accessible everywhere type type deal. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, they're, just, they're kind of they're, they're kind of preparing themselves to get the jump uh, on the next generation mm-hmm. uh, because obviously they took a bit of a hit in this generation. So I kind of feel like with the Game Pass with the streaming service, uh, they're kind of lining it up, you know, ready for mm-hmm. the next generation, and they're getting a head start on Sony. So. Yeah, I hope Sony come back, come back hard enough um, because it's going to be it's going to be tough to tough to fight that. I agree. And and especially a lot of the um, the developers that they're they're purchasing. Microsoft's been acquiring left and right all of these different publishers and developers. Um, and most recently, it sounds like they may be acquiring Obsidian Games. That's the latest rumor um, out of the Microsoft camp is that they are after Obsidian, which is the developers of uh, the Knights of the Old Republic uh, 2, I think, and then uh, Fallout New Vegas. So that's a pretty pretty big, big studio that they're looking to acquire. That's a lot of potential there for sure. Yeah, so speaking of Microsoft positioning themselves to beat Sony, uh, a couple days ago, Sony officially announced that they are working on new PlayStation hardware. So speaking to the Financial Times, Sony CEO Kenichiro Yoshida said, at this point, what I can say is it's necessary to have a next generation hardware. Yoshida was very vague with the wording and would not comment on the PlayStation 5 name. 
this seems like an odd <laughs> this seems like an odd time to make this announcement personally but i feel it is intentionally on the tail of microsoft's x cloud announcement to take some of the wind out of their sail sony wants to keep their momentum from this generation and carry it into the next generation clearly this is also isn't really even new since it's pretty obvious sony is working on a successor to playstation 4 it's just a matter of when that new console will, re- will be released what are your thoughts um, if it is not called PlayStation Five, like I will sell everything I own. Like that, <laughs> it, it, it has to, it has to be the PlayStation Five. Like, yeah, come on. They're yeah, not gonna buck, they're not going to buck that trend. Uh, no, no. I do feel like because the PlayStation Four was such a success, um, it, it may just be a strong iteration. I don't think it's going to be a revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, they might just uh they might up the hardware a bit but in terms of i mean i was hearing some rumors not even that long ago that it might be discless oh wow um and it might just be a it might just be a box kind of like a, a play on the streaming thing and it might just be yeah. like a stream like a, like a streaming box kind of like a like an apple tv or something like right. that right but, but well. just but just just like a sony box basically um yeah i don't know if that's a thing or not i heard that from uh, I think it was Kotaku. I, I, I saw that, but um, mm-hmm. and usually they're they're pretty good with the insider stuff. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 interesting. It's, I mean, it's I think I think we're looking at kind of like maybe holiday 2020 for that console. That yeah, um, that's what I'm thinking too. Something something like that, um, mm-hmm. and maybe like maybe like Death Strand uh, Death Stranding on the on release. Yeah, um, which would be which would be a killer blow for sure. Oh yeah, I, I think you're definitely right in that this is going to be more of an iterative approach um, in in the PlayStation Five. I don't think it's going to be this big leap in terms of the hardware. I think with the PlayStation Four um, and the Xbox One, they're both of the manufacturers are moving to more of like a PC style build. So they they don't they don't have these custom chips anymore. They're really trying to make the hardware a little bit more universal so it's easier for the developers to work on the hardware um, and also it's easier for them to iterate on that hardware so we saw this generation for the first time uh, playstation playstation pro xbox one x these these like mid-cycle consoles that came out that pushed the hardware forward and were able to have these better experiences without necessarily creating a whole new generation and uh, i i really think that that was an interesting approach but it makes sense in the day and age that we're in where technology is just moving so fast things are getting upgraded i mean our phones are getting upgraded every year computers and tablets are every few years if not sooner uh it it only makes sense that we get some sort of new hardware and it's been what three almost three years now uh since these new um iterative consoles have been out so i mean it seems like it's time for an update on both ends yeah for sure i mean the that they i remember with the with the ps3 they couldn't really iterate that console because they got the they got the cell architecture so wrong yeah um and it was just you just couldn't develop that console any further mm-hmm. um whereas the xbox you know they obviously with the 360 they they changed that console you know a couple times um yeah but obviously with the ps4 um the ps4 i mean i've got a ps4 pro myself so i'm Personally, I'm not really in the need for a PS5 right now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I'd welcome it for sure. Um, yeah. In terms of a game library, I really don't know. I'm just I'm I'm kind of gutted because 
I feel like uh, Microsoft and Xbox have kind of stolen kind of Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk 2077. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was kind of hoping that Sony would kind of get a grasp on that game to kind of push it, but yeah, um, we can't have everything. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and um, one thing that that you bring up a good point too of not necessarily needing a new console. I'm in the same boat. I've got a PlayStation 4 Pro myself. I love it. I mean, I, I can't imagine that it can be any better. I mean, I know that full, you know, the next big push in a gaming is probably going to be full 4K, you know, not not this like hybrid 4K that they're doing on the consoles now, but a true 4K gaming system. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure that's where everybody's kind of moving towards. But if they do release a new console, if it is named PlayStation 5, um, it sounds like the hardware itself is very similar to what the PlayStation 4 hardware looks like. So that tells us that there's probably going to be backwards compatibility. Um, And I think Sony's trying to make right on that part since Microsoft has done such a great job with that over the past few years, making Xbox 360 and original Xbox titles backwards compatible. I think they're kind of forced into doing that to make sure that they make good with the rest of the community here. Um, But that makes me wonder, is this new console going to have games that work just for PlayStation 5? Or is it going to be similar to how PlayStation 4 Pro is now, where the developers can make the game work on both, but it works better on PlayStation 5? Sure. Um, What what do you you think? Yeah, I think obviously the games they're they're releasing at the moment, I I think they'll, you know, they'll, they'll market it in a way where they're just like, but if you have a PS5, um, it you know it will look you know this much better, and it, it will you know it will do this and that. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think they'll go down the same route. Um, you know, like I said before, with the Xbox One X. Yeah, I, I think they'll kind of be like, look, we're dropping a new console, um, but don't worry uh, if you've got a full library of PS4 games. You know, we've got you covered. Yeah. Well, the the big question then is. When do they move on to that new console? So the issue right now is Sony said, hey, if you've got a PlayStation 4 Pro, these games are going to look better, but they'll also still work on your original PlayStation. And when that that first came out, I think people were really hesitant, like, oh, no, I feel burned. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm not going to buy the new console. Are the developers eventually going to just give up developing for the PlayStation 4 original because, you know, it, the limitations are so apparent there? versus the pro um, but we haven't seen that thus far all of the games work just fine on both one of them were on the pro isn't significantly you know performing worse on the original playstation so that makes me wonder if they do that approach on the whatever the next playstation is playstation 5 um, when are they gonna let the developers create games just for that platform because they're effectively hamstringing these developers if they say, hey, you have to make them work on the old console too. I mean, we're talking a console that came out in 2013. So by 2020, if this is true, developers are going to have to develop for a potentially seven-year-old console as well as this new console going forward. What are your thoughts there? I feel like maybe if they're developing for a seven-year-old seven-year-old tech and like the brand new tech, I think that's too big a gulf, if I'm honest. Um, I, I feel like Sony would have given them a heads up given all the developers a heads up, um, you know, that the PS5 is coming and, you know, they've given them the tech and hopefully they're developing for that already. Right, um, right. I would kind of hope that, um, uh, was it Media Molecules Dreams comes out on PS5? Um, yeah. Because, I mean, if that doesn't come out on the PS5, I think they're going to can that game, if I'm yeah, honestly. It's been in development uh, for too long. It's just, um, 
it's a shame as well because I was really big on Little Big Planet. Uh, yeah, me too. So me too. Yeah, so I, I I think it's really interesting what they were doing there. But and I've seen countless trailers for that game and countless gameplay edits, and it's just it's sad knowing that I have after like four years I still haven't seen a, a release date. I know they they need to make a move on that soon. I I know they're they've been showing a lot of it recently at the different events, and uh, it's it's on this month's cover of uh, Game Informer, if I'm not mistaken, too. So they've they're pushing it a lot more recently. So who knows? Maybe we'll see something. But yeah, that game seems more and more likely that it's going to be a PS5 game, and maybe they kind of bit off more than they could chew originally. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's just uh, the, I mean, it's just it's just ambitious ideas at the end of the day, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And if you don't, if you don't have the software or the hardware to, to 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 match your ideas, then I guess you have to wait, you know, almost an entire gaming generation uh, to get mm. your ideas out there. Yeah, that is very true. So overall, with these official announcements that we've gotten recently and the rumor of a new switch on the horizon, when do you think we see this next generation of hardware? I think uh, this new switch will be next year. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe holiday time i think the xbox and the playstation ones will probably be mid to late 2020 Mm -hmm. um i think 2020 is when it's going to get really interesting that's when it's all going to start kicking off i think e3 uh let me think i think i think sony might do like um like an announcement uh conference all on their own uh in early 2020 uh mm-hmm. maybe 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 like february time kind of like what they did with the ps4 in 2013 yeah um i think they'll kind of do like maybe like february march they'll kind of do an mm-hmm. announcement this is the ps5 that's coming at the end of the year you know um mm-hmm. and I, I i think microsoft will release their console early this time to try and get um yeah to try and get a uh, a jump on the competition because i don't think they can afford to release the same time and then the console you know isn't up to up to spec Right. Yeah, I think they're I think they're making all of these big changes to make sure that they do get out ahead this time. Um, And I think I think you're right. I think we're going to see this switch light or whatever it ends up being in the back half of 2019, probably fall or winter time. I'm thinking Xbox we may see as early as spring 2020. And my reasoning here is they are going to start the testing for this cloud based service x cloud in early 2019. So that gives them basically a year to refine it before launch um i i'm sure they could definitely go longer on the beta testing but i imagine they want to get that service out there as quickly as possible especially after the beta test they don't want that beta period to run on too long so i think uh xbox is going to come out spring 2020 and then i think you're absolutely right with playstation 5 being a fall release i think they'll do an event early in the year like you stated and uh we'll see playstation 5 in the fall of 2020 so it's going to be an interesting uh, next couple of years, to say the least. Uh, most definitely. I, this is always the best time, isn't it, for a gamer? Yeah, absolutely is. Um, I uh, I'm, I'm have to wonder, though, are we, are we inevitably heading towards a streaming future? So uh, a lot of the big announcements around this stuff has been, uh, there's been a lot of buzz around the streaming, right? So Microsoft stuff. Uh, Google recently um, announced their Project Stream initiative, which they had a partnership with Ubisoft on to stream Assassin's Creed Odyssey uh, right through Google Chrome, the browser. So 
interesting there. And then Nintendo, of course, is already testing the streaming in Japan with Resident Evil and Assassin's Creed Odyssey fully playable on Switch um, over, you know, uh, an internet connection. So what are your thoughts on this streaming future that we may be headed towards? Yeah, I mean, as for as for streaming, I, I'm kind of, you know, approaching it with an open mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like me, like yourself, we're kind of more traditional gamers. So we kind of have the, you know, the physical console, you know, and we love that culture, you know, that that feeling of just being in your living room and just kind of having, you know, what you have uh, mm-hmm. right in front of you. But I mean, if we're going down that route and it makes it like kind of easier to stream games, um, get all the best titles that you want to play on the fly, mm-hmm. then I feel then I feel like it, you know, it can only be a positive thing. So um, I'll embrace it, I guess, just like the rest of them. But I'm pretty sure the Internet comments will be disgusting in the meantime so um yeah i'll uh i'll let people have their opinions on it but i I mean i don't i don't mind it myself yeah same i i think the biggest issue of course is just the internet itself so i mean over here in the united states our internet is good in some places and terrible in others Uh, and i imagine that's probably the same case over there too with you so um, these companies really need to make sure that they can optimize the game itself to run over different connections. And if they can pull that off, then I think we are definitely heading down that that inevitable path of streaming games and really being able to access them wherever we're at and play these full experiences on the go and and never really skip a beat, which is really cool. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we haven't got um, we haven't got five G here yet. Uh, mm-hmm. but we've got we've got like some we've got some really good like fiber optic broadband it's mm-hmm. it's it's, re- it's really good here so um yeah. in term in terms of like internet itself it's 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 a pretty good infrastructure we have here at the moment so mm-hmm. um i'm sh- i'm sure we'd be able to cope with it yeah i think we're we're sounds like potentially be getting 5g home internet in certain cities later this year in the united states and oh, it's nice. like it's like five cities that verizon's putting it in so We'll see how how that is. I don't really know too much about that technology yet, just since it is still in its infancy. But uh, maybe that's the key to unlocking this this future of streaming games. But uh, cool, man. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today, Matt. Where can folks find you online? Um, it's the easiest thing in the world. It's basically at Matt Jeffrey, um, J-E-F-F-R-A-Y. Uh, and that is the same for Instagram and Twitter um and they're kind of like the only two that i really use so you can all find me on there awesome well matt thanks again i appreciate you coming on today yeah it's been a pleasure thanks for inviting me on yeah and if you have any questions for the show email me at the email address hello at in your element podcast.com i'll answer your questions on the next episode don't forget to subscribe to the show on apple podcasts or whatever podcast service you listen to on in your element on Also, take a moment to drop a five-star review on iTunes or in the Apple Podcasts app. It helps with discoverability for the show. And as a reminder, visit patreon.com slash inyourelement to support at any level, and you'll receive bonus episodes early, gain access to the In Your Element Discord server, be eligible for giveaways, attend patron hangouts, and more. Until next time, see you later, Elementalists.
Thank you.